This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. What's up, everyone? Jeff Woods here with the One Thing team. I'm really excited today for you to meet a friend of mine who I know is just going to expand your mind. He is the founder of the COO Alliance. He's the author of Double Double, Meeting Suck, and The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. And he has one heck of a track record in business, scaling multiple companies to over $100 million each. So today we are going to talk a lot about what it takes to scale a business and the things you should be thinking about now that most people aren't, which is why they are unable to scale their companies. So I feel really fortunate because I get the opportunity to work with so many amazing people in our community and our customers and get to be a part of their world. And they trust me with being a part of their goals. And more often than not, almost everyone is focused on health. And at the core of that is diet and eating a balanced diet. But eating this kind of diet, it's a huge time commitment and it's easy to get knocked off track. That's why it's so great to have a solution when you don't have the time to do the prepping and the cooking and the cleanup, but you still want to eat healthy. That's why we partner with Factor. And Factor is chef-created, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, there's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. The variety of different options and meals that they have is really impressive, but go see for yourself. Head to factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150 to get 50% off. That's code 150 at factormeals.com slash 150 to get 50% off. With that, Cameron Harold, what's up, man? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate of course, it. Of course. So, you know, we've got a pretty diverse group who follow the one thing, but the one thing was written for entrepreneurs. It is uh, an idea that has cascaded into both professional and personal life. But I want to talk specifically to those people who are in a business capacity where they really want to scale their organization, but they're still in a place where, frankly, they have a job because they haven't learned how to succeed through others. They haven't learned how to bring the appropriate structure and system in. So let's just have a conversation around that. Sounds good. And by the way, my one of my favorite quotes related to the one thing for me is um, a person can only sit on one toilet at a time. And <laughs> when, you to, when you try to sit on more than one toilet, it gets kind of messy. <laughs> <laughs> That is brought to you by a mentor of mine who founded Boston Chicken. So there you go. Uh, there you go. That is so funny. Uh, so let's, I guess, if I am a business owner or I'm just starting a business, it's really easy to just be thinking about how you can get the revenue in, how you can break a profit, how you can start to scale that. What are the things people should be thinking about early on in their business that would set them up for real long-term success? Sure. So uh, I guess one of them for me is always that, that revenue or gross margin solves everything. Okay. If you're always focused on driving your margins up or bringing in more revenue that is bringing in good gross margins to the business, that solves every problem. You know, there's not a single problem that exists that can't be solved by writing a check. So you've got to just always be looking for revenue, but it has to be good, profitable revenue. That's core. Second one is that people really do have to be focused, that you have to focus on the critical few things or the one thing, but the critical few things versus the important many. And there's so many distractions, whether it's, you know, social media or the news or all the busy work that we've got or all these tasks and projects that you really have to slow it down and think about what am I going to work on this quarter, this month, this week and today 
what I'm going to get done. So like I even use an app on a daily basis called commit to three. And I commit my three personal business or my three business goals to a friend, Joe Polish and Joe commits his three business goals to me. And then I commit my three personal goals to a friend of mine, Gordy Buffton and Gordy Traffley commits his three personal to me. So I stay focused even on a daily basis then right in front of me on my whiteboard are my 10 core goals for the year that I'm focusing on. So it's just, it's about focus. Mm. Did focus come naturally to you? It did for me because I think I have a little bit of, well, I I have attention deficit disorder. So I have 17 of the 18 signs of ADD, but I couple that with a little bit of OCD. So I'm kind of obsessive compulsive. So when I'm on something, I'm kind of like a dog with a bone. Mm -hmm. But no, the, I think the, the, the ability to focus was a learned skill to counter my, my attention deficit disorder. Interesting. So yes, I, I've just found at least my own life and from the people that I've interacted with who follow the one thing, it's not like focus is taught in school. There, there's no class on focus. There's, there's no class on mindfulness or um, you know, meditation. There, just, but now we, we know how important focus is, yet people just go, okay, I need to focus, and they just they try. They've never been taught. They don't know how to do it. And it's a shame that that stuff's not taught in school. Like why we're teaching kids about, you know, the, the war of 1812 and how the French settled Northern Canada. It's like, really? Like who cares? But yeah, why don't we teach them the success principles? So the, the basic stuff around focus that I guess I think about, there's that old story of if you have a bunch of rocks and pebbles and sand and water and you want to put it all into a, to a, a pot, Mm -hmm. you got to put the rocks in first, you know, and then you put your pebbles in and you fill it up with sand and then you can pour the water in. But if you put the water in first, it gets really messy because the rocks don't all fit and the water spills over the edge. And your business life and your personal life are the same way. What are the big core things that are important to you? So for me, it's family. And I put all of my family activities into my calendar before anything else. Mm -hmm. Recently, just yesterday, I was invited to go speak at a speaking event, one that I would have loved to have spoken at, but it's my kids' spring break. And their spring break has been in my calendar since August, probably when I got the school calendar. I have my dad and mom coming out to Scottsdale, and I've got my kids in town. We're all going to spend time together, and I'm not going to give that up. But not only do I have spring breaks, I have their days off from school I have their um, sports activities in my calendar, so I know when their practices are. And I build my business world around their lives. And then I also put my personal stuff in. I've got concerts that I've booked. I'm going to two Grateful Dead shows this summer. I'm going to Elton John, which is a bucket list item of mine in April. My wife and I are going to the TED conference. I put all my personal stuff in my calendar. And again, I build my business around that. I think that's, I think that's really Contraintuitive to what most people think, because they just they think they've got to grind, they've got to put business and work first, but they end up going year after year, not doing the things that really matter most, and they end up realizing they climbed a ladder that was against the wrong wall when it came to where they wanted to go. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I work extraordinarily hard. I work long hours at times. I work very focused, but I also my wife and I have been to eighteen countries together in the last six years. Because we plan our vacations, and then I get to plan my very focused, busy work around that, and I delegate everything except genius. You know, when I'm left with only this core amount of time, I don't have time to spend on the the wrong stuff. So, so I want to dive in there because I, I need to point something out to the people who are watching or listening to this, which is success leaves clues. Um, Cameron's got 
a pretty impressive track record in business. Let's look at another guy who has a really impressive track record in business, Gary Keller. The very first thing that he blocks off on his calendar, vacation time. The thing he taught Jay how to do, the first thing you block off, vacation time. Even if you don't know where you're going, it's blocked. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to do that. So I block off Christmas time. I block off spring break time. I block off summer vacations, date weekends and date nights with my wife, sports activities for me. And I plan my work around that. Yeah. Once you start that habit, it becomes very, very easy as well. So I'm, I am far from good at this. I still, you know, I'm, I'm starting this company. I feel a lot of weight on my shoulders to make this successful. And I am certainly one to plan a vacation, but give myself 100% permission to move it because it doesn't become convenient anymore. Was it easy for you to stick to it right off the bat? Or what did that process look like? Because I'm struggling there and I, I could be showing up more fully in my personal life where I'm not currently. I don't think it was easy for me, but what I started to realize around 10 years ago, I built a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, and I took that company from 2 million to 106 million in six years, and from 14 employees to 3,000 employees. But I was burned out. I, I'd worked too hard at it and I was, was uh, coming home late and I was coming home as a leftover. You know, I wasn't coming home as my best self. And I didn't want to do that anymore when I left and when I was starting to coach CEOs and write all my books and do my speaking. So I decided that it was a powerful, um, I, I needed to do it. So what I looked at was what I call the five F's. I have friends, family, faith, fitness, and finance. And I know that it's impossible to keep all five of those balanced at all times. Mm-hmm. I kind of go on tilt on purpose. One quarter at a time, I pick two areas to focus on. And that leaves three that are a little bit out of balance for a quarter. But the next quarter, I counterbalance and I'll focus on these two and I might leave these for a while. So as an example, last quarter, two quarters ago, I was very focused on fitness because I was training for my first marathon that I ran back in October. Well, in fourth quarter, I didn't do much fitness at all. I really kind of recalibrated to friends and family. And now this quarter, I'm back to fitness and finance. I'm really focused on work and growing the business. And I'm really focused on getting ready for another marathon. So I let a couple things slide and that allows me to feel it's okay for me to really crank hard for a quarter because I know it's not going to be forever. However, I really won't work nights and I won't work weekends. Even if I'm focused on business, I still know that that's a lie. If I say I'm just going to work tonight for a few nights in a row, it starts to peel away at my health or my sanity or my relationships, or I just become unproductive. I'm like a a phone that I'm using on 3% battery. Well, when you were here in Austin speaking at uh, our friend Ryan Moran's event, Freedom Fastlane, you said on stage to probably 500 entrepreneurs, and these are people who are already at a certain level of success in their business, if I had to start all over, there are two things I would never do again. I would never work nights and I would never work weekends and it's not worth it. And I remember looking around the room and just watching it strike a vast majority of the people. Because for whatever... You're never going to get it all done. You'll never get the list done because if you do, you're going to add more goals. So you start telling yourself a lie. So as an example, last night, like I have a lot of stuff to do. I'm cranking some big projects. I've launched the COO Alliance. I'm very focused on business this quarter, but at six o'clock last night, I shut the door to my office. I walked across the yard into our home and I hung out with friends or with my wife and with the kids and I had dinner and I left my cell phone in the bedroom and I just hung out and I had a glass of wine and I finished reading the book that I was reading and I went for a hot tub and I didn't do any work. And 
I could have, but really, you know, and then this morning I, I slept and hung out with my wife until 7.30 in the morning and then she left with the kids to school and I quickly showered and ran to the office and I'm cranking hard. Mm-hmm. But again, today at five o'clock, I'm going to be done. It's Friday. It's five o'clock. I'm not going to continue working after five. So let's talk about that a little bit because I have, um, I used to, when I was in medical device sales and I was starting my business behind my podcast, The Mentee, I had to work early in the mornings and I was burning the midnight oil. It was just, it's what was required at the time. It helped me scale the podcast to, you know, six figures in revenue in a year. It's part of the reason I got the opportunity to come work with Gary and Jay. Really grateful that I did all that, but it took a serious hit on my relationship with my wife. I got her buy-in in advance. Now I'm here where I have the mentorship of Gary and Jay saying, long hours are not rewarded. Do not burn out at five o'clock. Why are you here? Yet, even though I'm out the door by five, I still struggle to mentally leave business behind. Where do you work? Do you work from a home office or a physical office? I, I usually go to the Keller Williams corporate headquarters. I'm, I'm in it right. right now. I have an home office, but I'm not there very often. So I'm very lucky that I actually have a building. We live on an estate and I have a building that is my home office. Um, and then I literally walk across the yard past one of our guest houses to the main house. So I can, I shut the, the door to my office. I turn the lights off. I shut the door into the building. I leave and I walk and then I get to the house. So I physically shut it off. So I'd recommend that you do that. Even if it's a home office, close the door to the room. Um, you know, don't work out of your bedroom. God, work from the dining room, work from somewhere else, but never work from your bedroom. Like you need a sanctuary away from work. If you work in a building and you have to drive to your house, don't, don't drive on the highway. Take an extra five minutes and drive through a couple residential neighborhoods just to, to relax yourself and de-stress yourself. Put the cell phone in the trunk of your car so you're not checking your cell phone while you're driving and, you know, de-stress and, and give yourself the ability to to detach a little bit. But here's what I'm going to ask you. What are you doing for fun right now? The pause should say it all. Um, I have a hard time answering that. You know, for me, business is fun. And no, business is not fun. Business is what we do for work. I'm glad that you enjoy your work. I love what I do too, but it's not fun. And frankly, if I sat and talked to you all night and all you wanted to talk about with work, you get boring very quickly. And we have to, as, as entrepreneurs, we have to remain interested to remain interesting. It means we have to reconnect with our hobbies and our passions. So on Sunday this week, I'm going to a polo match. I've never seen polo, but I thought, what the hell, they're in town, the world championships, I'll go to a polo match. Um, tomorrow, I'm going hiking with a couple of friends. And I want to go and reconnect with, with golf and with hiking and with skiing and, and reconnect with some of my passions. Next week, I'm speaking at a big event called Go Abundance up in Whistler. I'm going to take one of my kids with me to the event. We're going to ski the next day. But you've got to find a couple of your hobbies that you like to do as a kid and you need to reconnect with those. Because trust me, when you get a few more of these gray hairs, you're going to realize that that um, work, it's great that we enjoy it, but it's not a hobby. Yeah. Um, I, I really struggle with what my hobbies are these days. And it could be, it could be reading. It, what did you do when you were 16? Uh I always have loved personal development books. I did martial arts for 15 years of my life up until I went to college. Um, I have a, a long track record uh, uh, dancing, hip hop. So uh, I, I do go to the gym and do like the hip hop classes. I'm I'm the single guy in the class front and center doing the high kicks. You know, that's me. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so, okay. Do you, have, do you have a bucket list? No. 
why don't you do this? Why don't you write your bucket list and send it to me and I'll send you mine. But I want you to come up with 101 things that you want to do before you die. And this is places to go, countries to go to, cities to go to, hobbies to experience, events to see, books to read, whatever. 101 things that you want to do or try or learn or experience before you die. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start knocking a couple of these off one a quarter. You know, it could be going up in a hot air balloon. It could be going to a Formula One race. It could be learning to play guitar. It could be playing in a, learn to play a harmonica. Like, I don't care what they are, you know, ride a unicycle, whatever they're going to be. But, but that will start giving you some stuff to just go and have fun with. Cause we need to give you a few hobbies that are going to round you. And then also I want your wife to do hers and I'd like you to share your bucket list with her and have her share it with you. Cause then you can start doing some really cool stuff together as well. Like on my bucket list was to see Elton John. I've always wanted to see him. I recently saw that Amex came out and said he was playing in Tucson. I'm like, what the hell? It's only an hour and a half down the road. So I bought tickets, told my wife, we're going to Elton John, got like fourth row floor seats. I'm like, awesome. Here we go. That to me will fuel me for a whole month knowing it's coming up and I'll be excited about it afterwards. And that energy will spin off into positive energy with my clients and customers and and suppliers. Uh, That's interesting because Amy... um you know, we've got two young kids. She's pretty much been on lockdown as a stay-at-home mom for four years now. And um, we're, we have our family reunion in Vegas, which is our big national meeting for Keller Williams. And we're going out the weekend before. And just her knowing that that's on the calendar, she literally said to me last night, that has been fueling her for the last two months. And here's what I'll tell you about her. She's been on lockdown because she thinks that's what she has to do. And you've been on lockdown with your business because you think that's what you have to do. I want each of you to go find three people. You find three entrepreneurs that have really cool, well-rounded other lives of passions and hobbies and fun stuff. I want her to find three moms that aren't running businesses, but are engaged with hobbies and charity and fun stuff away from their kids. Yeah. My sister played A-level national team ultimate Frisbee. Yes. Well, between the ages when her kids were one and five. Her kids were sitting on the side of ultimate pitches and she was playing in the national championships. She played ultimate when she was six months pregnant. So this whole thing about like, I'm on lockdown with kids. No, no. My brother played golf and had his kids sitting in a golf cart strapped in a car seat to the side of the golf cart. We have to choose life and we have to remember that business is serving that it's not us serving business. We have to become more of a human being versus a human doing and and I've been guilty of that as well, that at times when all I'm focused on business is I'm a human doing instead of a human being. I don't want to talk to your wife about raising kids. I don't want her to talk about raising kids. I've got four kids, but I want to hear about her passions and her dreams and the cool books she just read and what group she's out with. And, and even if she's doing stuff where she puts the kids in daycare for two hours so she can go play tennis or, you know, go for a run or go for a walk or, you know, join a knitting club. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you told me to do the bucket list, my immediate, when you said and send it to me, my immediate thing was accountability game on. But then I thought about doing it and I immediately felt resistance. I've been exploring why that resistance is there. It's just, I haven't dared to to think that way. Mm-hmm. And, and more often than not, we haven't dared to think that way because no one has challenged us to find a better way and to find a better path. And I think as entrepreneurs, 
we need to remember that we start a company to give us more money, more free time, and to give us something that we're in control of. But if it controls us, if we don't have any free time and we're putting all of our money back into the business and we're not pulling any money aside, we have a really crappy boss. They're making us work a lot and not take any money home. That's a terrible boss. We'd never work for someone like that. And we lie to ourselves and say we run our own business. It's like, no, the business is running us. You can do both. It is possible. I, you know, I just, I've had a lot of emotions just process probably in the last 30 seconds to a minute because I immediately had flashback to when I'm in medical devices and my income gets f- cut by 40%. And month after month, I, I watch the account drain to the point where it almost hits zero. And I'm wondering how am I going to pay the mortgage? And, and that, how scared I was, how angry I was um, in that moment, I just vowed I would never do it again. And, and since then I have just been so hyper-focused on crushing it in business. And it's clearly served me well. I'm pinching myself that I even have the opportunity to call Gary and Jay partner. But in that process, I also haven't looked up and, and done the human being versus the human doing like you said. Yeah. And, and I think that's what, um, that's where the big powerful lesson can be for everybody is you are, you can do both. There are very successful entrepreneurs, Richard Branson and all of the free time and fun that we see him having now, he's done it every year. He's run his company, mm-hmm. right? He didn't just do it at the end. He did it every day from when he started in the record business with Virgin records and, and his first publishing deal in his, his newspaper. Like, He's, he's done this all along. The key is to make those things a priority and to remember that we will never get it all done. Plus, I think the other part is that energy shift. Because we're excited and passionate and we've got stuff to talk about, people are excited and passionate to talk to us. But if all I was going to talk to you about was work, you know, the newest module in this book or why this is important, at some point you're like, it doesn't transfer. There's no excitement there. Well, this is interesting how you said if you and I were to stay up all night and just talk about business, how you'd lose interest very quickly. I have found the opposite. The moment I discovered that I was an entrepreneur, the moment I started focusing on surrounding myself with people who are where I wanted to be and and just got engrossed in loving building businesses, uh, I struggle to find connection with people who aren't entrepreneurs. I feel like they just don't get it and I feel like they don't get me. That's cool. So go find entrepreneurs who have hobbies and do the hobbies with them. Like, I'm going to go golf tomorrow with a CEO friend of mine, Max, but we're going to golf. And I'm going hiking with a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur, Joe Polish, and Gordy Buffton, who are entrepreneurs, but we're going to go hiking. But we're not just going to sit around and talk business. You know, we're going to do fun stuff together that I like doing, right? Chip Wilson, the founder of Lululemon, if you want any of his time, you go hike the grass grind with him because he wants to go hiking. He doesn't want to sit in his boardroom and talk to you, but he'll talk if you want to go on a hike. So if you can build those fun things into your life again, Plus, here's the other thing. Your children don't want to talk to you about work. Yeah. And your wife doesn't want to talk to you about work. No, she doesn't. And so who do you want to have a connection with as a human being? Yeah, them. Then you have to work on that. Because at some point, your kids look at us and say, if all daddy cares about is his work, maybe daddy doesn't care about me. Or here's the other thing. Do you want your children to look at you as a role model? And, and do you want to be a role model of a workaholic? Or do you want to be a role model of a very successful entrepreneur with hobbies and passions? Yeah, the latter. I, I talked to a friend, Dean Graciosi, about that a year ago. And 
he started to cry when he was talking to me because he realized that he was not being, nor was I, we were not being the role models that we wanted our children to see. Right. So we have to work at getting the rest of our balance and focus. And when we're working, man, we work. Right. But when we're not working, we unplug and we unplug hard and we have fun. I had a, I had a friend one time, a CEO, and he said, you know, what business book should I read? What business book? And I said, stop. Can't you just go like a quarter and read a book for fun or three books for fun? He didn't even know what a novel was. Like he didn't know where he would turn. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I remember, I remember walking away from him at this conference and he was like a little puppy dog chasing me. I'm like, you got to stop. Like it's, you're killing me. Like it's nine o'clock at night and all you want to keep talking about is work. Like I fucking need to detach. If we talk about the one thing, maybe the one thing is, is to really, really remember that if that's what will get us focused on the one thing at work is knowing that we don't get 16 hours to work because we got a whole bunch of other things that are, we're going to focus on our lives, which means we have to focus. We have to focus on the one thing because we're going to have passions and friendships and connections with humans that are being that maybe they're all entrepreneurs. Cause I'm with you. I, I really only traditionally like to hang out with other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but the ones I like to hang out with are the ones that have hobbies. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot is a lot's sitting and resonating with me and I'm trying, I'm trying to remember whose law it is, but work expands to the time that you allow it basically. Which one? Parkinson's law. Thank you. And it's like vacation. You know, you're leaving for vacation for vacation tomorrow. You get a crazy amount done and you say no to a ton because you know what your biggest rocks are and you focus there. I want to shift the conversation because you mentioned earlier leverage and now we're talking about saying yes to your big rocks, which inherently means saying no to everything else. You know, yeah. for the people who want to live a big life, oftentimes it means succeeding through others. That is the ultimate success. You're a you're a leverage yeah. nut. And I and I love that about you because I am as well. Most people are not. Were you was it natural for you to start delegating, or did you struggle sometimes feeling like nobody could do it as well as you? So the leverage for me means how do I get more done with less people faster? How do I find the shortcut? How do I find the cheat sheets? How do I like, I realized in school that there was no point in going to every class and listening because all the answers were in the back of the textbook. And really all the answers were in the first paragraph and the last paragraph of every chapter and in the notebook that it came with. So if I just studied the notebook, I'd win. Right. Or if I hung out with the smart kids, they knew the answers or, (laughs) I did the total same thing. <laughs> right? Because so so for me, the leverage came off that. Here's an example of leverage. I always look, if I'm going to do something, it has to give me two opportunities. So I play a card game called Euchre. And the only time that I will, or, or Gin, the only time I'll pick up a card in Gin is if it helps me in two different spots. I'll never help it if it only helps me in one. It has to help me in two spots um, because I get leverage. So here's a principle of leverage in business. I have a friend of mine, Dan Martell. He will do a video. It might be a podcast or it might be a a Facebook live video. He then, as soon as the video is done, it gets automatically using if this, then that, it gets sent off to rev.com and they transcribe it. Then from rev.com, it gets sent to an assistant. His assistant pulls it together into a blog post. Then she slices it up and puts it into Hootsuite and all of the sentences become independent tweets and Facebook quotes. And then the best tweets actually get put in with a photo and his name on it, and those get posted on Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook. But all he does is the video, but he levers it 
So he doesn't look for tweet for tweet, you know, tweetable comments or in Instagram. Like he does one thing, but leverages it six ways. Right. We we have a, a very similar process. Where should people who, because I, I just, I hear this all the time where people are saying, I know I should be delegating more, but nobody's going to do it as good as me. What's that first step for them? Unless you are truly the best in the world at what you do, that's a little bit of ego and a little bit of fear of delegating because we're, we're not that good. You know, unless you are, you know, the best sprinter or the best guitar player, like, I'm sorry, but you're probably not. There's people who can do it good enough. The key is to remember that for most people, an 80% result is good enough. So momentum creates momentum. Mm. So I don't worry about anything being perfect because no one knows whether your your blog was perfect or whether the tweet was perfect. Just more of it. Just get more of it and more of it yields more of it. You can split test all day long, but, but yeah, I think for the most part, momentum creates momentum. Just some sales calls. So I have a list today of a whole bunch of, of follow-up calls that I have to make. And these are all people that are interested in the COO Alliance. So I could have a script of what I'm going to say to them, but I don't know. I probably wouldn't follow it anyway. So I'm just going to make some phone calls. And the reality, once I get through all the phone calls, I'll figure it out as I go. Yeah. And I remember my introduction to leverage. I was driving, which I haven't listened to the radio in probably six years. It's always an audiobook, a podcast, something. And I remember hearing somebody say, if you want to be a millionaire one day, you have to act as if. And millionaires have assistants. They use leverage. And I was thinking at the time about how I really didn't have a lot of money. My income was slashed. You know, I'm, I'm paycheck to paycheck. But then I learn about virtual assistants. I learn about all these different ways, Fiverr, things you can get done for five bucks. I remember just a mentor said to me, it's a muscle and you have to start flexing it. Even if you just delegate one task for five bucks this month, prove to yourself that you can do it. I have a client of mine who um, does her to-do list every day. She makes a list of all the stuff that needs to get done. And then she puts down how many minutes or hours each task will take. And then she delegates 80% of her daily list before she allows herself to start working on anything. Mm -hmm. That's the muscle that she's built is how can I delegate 80% of my day? And you just have to realize that, yeah, Fiverr, Odesk, Upwork, hire my mom. Um, you know, virtual, I have a virtual assistant who does work for me. We talked about Ari Mizell's company, um, Get Leverage. There's all kinds of places you can get stuff done. And the reality is if your time is worth this, if you're doing any task that is worth less than that, delegate it. It also comes down to your house house activities. Like we don't do anything at our home. We had a, a woman last night do our Costco pickup using Postmates. So she all the stuff came in from Costco, bottled water and pasta sauces and laundry detergent and toilet paper. Why am I gonna spend 30 minutes driving to Costco and 20 minutes in Costco and 30 minutes coming home when she, for 12 bucks she'll do it for me? Mm -hmm. The price of the stuff costs the same. Or, you know, why? So we don't do any of our cleaning. We don't do any of our laundry. We don't do any of our yard work, any of our maintenance, any of our pool stuff. But what that frees up is for me to either have time with my kids or time with my spouse or time with myself or time working where I can pay for it. Right. And I, and I think that, you know, and I want to close the gap for the people who are listening who aren't playing at your level yet to the point where they can have somebody pack their suitcase and unpack it when they travel like you do. It's a matter of recognizing that you make a certain amount in a year. If you divide that by 2,000, which is the average number of hours a full-time person works, you get your dollar per hour. There are absolutely things that you are currently doing that could be outsourced for less. Example, I don't check email anymore. 
I don't. I have a virtual assistant who's five bucks an hour, which is a great wage in the Philippines, who checks all of my emails and provides me with a Google Doc with the ones that require my attention so I can give him a two to three sentence reply on how he should respond. And over time, he's learning how to respond more and more and more. That saves me hours a day. Can you share with me like five or 10 of those emails? I want, because my assistant's taking mine over March 1st. I'd like to share that with her. So she just grab some that you're okay with me seeing sure. uh, how your system works. Just to show how, how he's taking it and what he's doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can give you access to the Google the Google Doc. I mean, oftentimes he's putting the full email in there because I need context. But I'll just say, not good time. Push two months. Let him figure it out. Here's some shortcuts that I can give some people right now. You can add custom words to your dictionary in your computer. So I put in ADDU. I press space and that autocorrects my US address. ADDC is my Canadian You're address. You're using a Mac, right? Yes. So this is Text Expander. And for all of you who use Apple products, whether it's the computer or your phone, you have the ability to do these shortcuts. I do the same thing. Well, I have one where I do SPK and it puts in a full paragraph with about 600 words with links and auto. Like it's, it's paragraphs and I only type three letters. You know, those kinds of things and efficiencies and hacks are what people want to get better at too. So Ask a bunch of 21-year-olds, say, this is what I'm doing. How can I do it faster? They'll teach you the shortcuts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we mentioned a lot of references here. Um, If you guys go to the show notes page, the link will be in the description below this episode. You can check that out. Um, So we'll link to all of those. But um, I think in the spirit of the one thing, if there's one thing you can do when it comes to leverage, I would say if it's if you get clear on what your productive dollar per hour is, what your time is actually worth currently, not what you want it to be, what it's actually worth, and then figure out, is there a simple thing that you can, can you, can you prove to yourself that you can delegate one thing? Just one. Prove to yourself that you can get it done. And what was really interesting to me is I saw this drawn out where it was almost like an org chart. Like if you're at the top, you've got a job, you've got 100%. You only have so much bandwidth that you can physically do. But if you truly want to live this big life, if you want to get more done, it's going to require other people. And somebody doing something else 80% as well as you is better than you doing 100% of nothing. Right, because you can get more of it done. And you're right about like you can delegate and outsource to people all over the world or, or people that are working from home on what I call the mommy shift, like women at home working between 9.30 and 2.30 while their kids are at school. They might live in Boston, but they're happy to do stuff for 20 bucks an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's, there's lots of resources out there. Let's do this. We, we went in a very different direction than I was in initially anticipating, which I'm really glad that we did because I find the ones where the tables get turned on me and we have real conversations end up being the most valuable. Um, based on everything that we have shared here today, what would be your single call to action to people in terms of implementing what we have talked about? I would say it would be on a daily basis, make a list of the five things you need to get done tomorrow. Spend a couple of minutes every day making a list of the five things you need to do tomorrow. And then put them in order of impact, the highest impact through the lowest impact. And then first thing tomorrow, start working on item one. And I like writing the list on a post-it note. And I put the post-it note right on the corner of my computer or my laptop so it nags me all day long. And just work on item one until it gets done and then go down and work on item two and then go down and work on item three until you get it done. If you just on a daily basis say, what are the highest impact things I can do and you get those done, you'll blow the doors off your business. 
It's funny to me. Um, I remember the first time I saw the one thing, the cover of it, and it said the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm going, okay, there's something there. And I read the book and I'm going, you're right. This is simple, but it's seldomly done. Most people won't listen to what I just told them. Most people will go back to what they were doing. They'll listen to another podcast. They'll read another book. They'll read another blog. And they'll be five years from now wondering why they're not successful. And if you're, if you're watching us or listening and you just do that daily, make your priorities and work on your priorities, I assure you it'll be one of the most impactful things you've done. It is one of the top two things that Obama credits for winning his first election. It's the number one thing that Mary Kay from Mary Kay Ash credits for building Mary Kay Cosmetics. It was one of the most impactful things we did to grow 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And, and it seems business is not complicated. We overcomplicate it. Yep. And, and for those of you who have read the book, you'll be familiar with the terminology, turning your to-do list into a success list. And it's doing exactly what Cameron said. You apply priority and execute in order of priority. Thanks, man. How can people learn more about you? Um, all three of my books are available on Amazon. So Double Double, Meeting Suck, and The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs are all on Amazon. Uh, Meeting Suck and... Uh, sorry, Double Double and Meet the Miracle Morning are also available on Audible and iTunes. And then my main website, CameronHerald.com, they can get videos of all my speaking events as well. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it.